Well, good morning again to all of you, and uh, I'm begging interest in your prayers this morning, and so I uh, hope you'll pray for me as well as one another during the time that we're gathered here together. As we have been mentioning for several weeks and and may continue to mention for several several more or many more, I've uh, been trying to talk about, you know, what's God's vision for our church? I think it's very important to, to know what His desires, what His wishes, what His thoughts were. You know, when He established the church uh, here in this world, there was a purpose in, in mind for it. I think, I think a lot of that, you know, we could summarize in a couple of different ways in saying that Part of God's desire is that through the hearing and the, the preaching of God's word and through the presence uh, of the being with the saints together, uh, that one, we would be changed uh, in this life in which we live, that we might uh, uh, have a desire to walk more closely with him. And then uh, there's something wonderful that happens, I think, when God's people get together and there's a unity of spirit and mind and heart together with us here at this place. Uh, and it and it even made uh, I guess thinking about some things this morning. The, you know the the Lord in His prayer in the garden in the 17th chapter of the book of John was talking about talked about the fact that He prayed for His disciples that they would be one like He and the Father were one. Uh, Brother Allen was talking, made some comment I think here on Wednesday night, made comment about somewhere about the uh, the Holy Spirit and talking about the fact that. Uh, the three-in-one God that we all struggle with the Trinity sometimes to try to understand, but there's a a compound unity uh, in the in the uh, holy in the uh, the uh, Godhead, in the God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. These three are one. It's but it's a compound unity where they work as one, one mind, one spirit, but yet filling different offices and different roles, and so. Uh, we find that a lot of times if we think about the fact that, uh, again, unity, uh, a husband and a wife. Uh, the Bible says, you know, these two shall become one flesh, one mind, one heart, one thinking, compound unity, husband and wife. But then the same thing uh, applies to us as a church. Uh, different members, different thoughts, different uh, ways of doing things, different gifts that God has given to us. Yet a compound unity, working together, one mind, one heart, one spirit, uh, one body. And so, uh, as you know, we've talked about a number of things here, uh, especially last week we talked about the fact that one of the metaphors God gives us in the Word about the, about the church is as a building. Uh, and we talked from the, uh, uh, the third chapter of 1 Corinthians where it talks about we're founded upon a rock. Uh, and then the uh, and then upon that rock, Jesus Christ, are the uh, we build on the doctrine of the apostles built upon that, and then we're to build upon that. Uh, if we went back over to the seventh chapter of the book of Matthew, we would find there again uh, the example of uh, uh, building on the rock or building on a stand. Which are you going to do, and what what will happen when the storms of life come your way? Built on the rock, you'll stand up against the storms and the troubles of life. Built on the sand, the storms will oftentimes knock you down uh, and destroy you here in this old world. Now, uh, I'm not concerned in the in the sense that I know the work of Jesus Christ on the cross is complete. But while we're here in this world that we're living in and trying to be uh, become more like Him, live more holy, it's important that we live we build our lives on the right things and on the right foundation. 
and so forth. So the building, a building, is one of the examples of the uh, of the uh, the church of, of God in this old world that we live in. A body is another example, and the body is what we'll try to talk about here for a little little while this morning from several different scripture points of view, uh, and try to uh, try to understand how we work together as a body, one to, one uh, t- together, one to another, and so. Uh, again, go back and say there are things that can hinder us. There are things that can work for us. Uh, you know, the Bible says without faith it's impossible to please Him. Uh, but it, and it also says, uh, uh, Brother Adam has mentioned, I guess, somewhere in the last several weeks, talking from the book of Matthew, uh, to him that believeth all things are, are possible. Uh, well, uh, I would also add to that, you know, while on, on one hand you've got the, the negative of these things, you know, without faith it's impossible to please Him. And Christ was unable to do any great works because of their unbelief, but with belief all things are possible. Uh, so as we begin to look at this here today and think about how we work together as a church, uh, what we're built upon, are we building on the right foundation uh, and looking to those things, uh, and are we are, are we continuing to build on top of that with our li- our personal lives? That's what it amounts to in everything that we do. I know that from our from a salvation standpoint, we're founded upon a rock. We're founded on the complete work of Jesus Christ and His grace for us, His blood, uh, His resurrection. That's what our salvation is based upon. But as we walk through this old world, are we building on that same rock? As we as a church, we as individuals. Are we building our lives upon those things? And are we as a body working together uh, like we should? Let's turn to Romans chapter 12. Uh, the whole entire, most, uh, maybe I shouldn't say most, a number of the New Testament scriptures are talking about uh, the, the Apostle Paul wrote. He's writing to the churches at, uh, at Rome, at Ephesians. In the Roman letter, one of the things that he's bringing together and pointing out to the church at Rome God's always had a people among the Jews and among the Gentiles, and he begins to show how these two are one and working working together, and that God and the Christ, when He died for them, died for them all at the same time on the cross. He didn't come and deliver the Jews at one time or the Gentiles at another time. He came and died for all of them together. And even though the Jews had always had the the uh, the laws and the the doctrines and the precepts of God, he said when the Gentiles did those things from their heart. Uh, that are written in the law, it showed the law that was written in their hearts. God had always had a work among the uh, peoples of every kindred nation and tongue, but all kindred nations and tongues didn't always have the word of God to know uh, who the one true and living God was and what he had done for them. And they didn't, the Gentiles all through the uh, times before Christ had never had the great deliverances and the great witnesses of the things that God did for the Jews during their day and delivering them out of Egypt and feeding them in the wilderness and giving them a land and a country and cities and uh, a place to worship and the true God to worship and, a, uh, uh, and all of those things. But he said a lot of times what the Gentiles were doing all through those years were they, sh- they were showing the love of God written in their hearts. They were doing acts of kindness toward one another and knowing how to act even though they didn't have the law that told them all those things. So 
summarizing all that, we get over here to the 11th, cha- 11th and 12th chapters of the book of uh, uh, Romans and, and uh, the Roman letter. And here uh, the Apostle Paul is talking in the Roman letter how uh, the fact that God had a wild olive tree and a natural olive tree. And while he'd cut off the natural olive branches and grafted in the wild olive branches, uh, uh, he said... He gave them a caution or a precaution. He says, you wild olive branches, talking about the Gentiles, those who had been grafted into the uh, to the olive tree. Why? Not a lot of times you hear people misteach today. It, it really does irritate me, I guess, sometimes to think about this. Because if you think if those natural branches were, were cut out, what were they cut out of? Well, he tells us here in Romans that has God, in Romans chapter 11, uh, and I know I'm digressing, but we'll just pit on this for just a minute. He says, hath God cast away his people? Uh, I say then, hath God cast away his people? God forbid, I'm also an Israelite of the seed of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. So uh, the fact that he had cut off those natural olive branches, some people try to teach today that somehow that they had been cut off from salvation. Uh, Well, that's not the truth. (laughs) Uh, The truth is they'd been cut off to the fellowship of God. They'd been cut off to the knowledge of the truth so that they were blinded and uh, their hearts had been hardened so that they could not see the things of God. And the Gentiles who had never known the word of God, never known the laws of God, were grafted into that olive tree and now suddenly we have the scriptures and the teachings and see the Messiah and see uh, the same Messiah that the Jews were looking for. We see him and worship him and praise him. Why? Because we've been grafted into the tree so that we can get the uh, the uh, fruit, have the fruit of the uh, being in that tree and seeing the gospel and having, bearing witness to him in this old world. Okay. So we go through all of that and he, he warns the wild olive branches that have been grafted in. He tells the, he warns them here in the 11th chapter of the book of Romans, if he cut off the, if he spared not the natural branches, be careful that he also spare not you. Uh, And that's a warning to us as God's children today. If we think that we'll always just have the church, if we'll always have the blessings of God's word and God's gospel in our lives, uh, just because we are you know, we th- maybe we think we're such great people, or whatever it is that whatever it is that's blinding us these days. Don't con- don't be confused, my friends. When the Jews uh, through uh, through much history and much time began to reject God, reject the worship of God, turn to other idols and other gods in their lives, God came and cut them off and grafted in another people that He already had. Uh, that would enjoy and, and, and preach the gospel. So, uh, as we look at these things here uh, in the uh, in the 12th chapter of the book of Romans now, uh, with that as a background and a lesson for all this, that God has always had a people among the Jews, that he saved them. And we go into, it would be one of those times where you go back and look at Romans 8 and say, preach through Romans 8 and 9 and say, oh boy, yeah, that's great stuff uh, and, and all of that. But here he gets here to 9 saying, God has one people. God just has one people that he died for. And that's uh, those that were in Christ Jesus. And he comes here to Romans chapter 12 and he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren. Why? Knowing that God has given you great gifts and great callings. That God has blessed you by grafting you into this tree. Uh, and and that we're, we're enjoying the blessings of the gospel and the blessings of God's word in our lives. And the blessings of the knowledge. Can you imagine the Gentiles? We talk sometimes about when people die. What would you do if you didn't know that you had a Savior, right? What would you do? How, how would you handle that? Well, the Gentiles never knew that. 
and, and, and all, of, all of the history of the time before Christ. The Gentiles didn't know that they had a Savior, that they had a God that was coming. They didn't. Now we've got these things. And he's telling, because you're grafted into that tree, don't take it for granted. Now then, okay. So he gets to chapter 12 and he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, I beg you by the mercies of God that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. (laughs) Uh, If Christ died for you on the cross, it's reasonable for you to present your body as a living sacrifice to Him. That you you, uh, set aside the desires of the flesh, uh, the desires that you might have, whether we're talking today, you know, you, every, everybody's so frank and so honest, you know, whether it's sexual desires or drug desires or other laziness desires or whatever it is that uh, your flesh seems to want to desire the most. Uh, he said, present your bodies a living sacrifice to him and it's your reasonable service to do that and be not conformed to this world. Don't be like the world. Uh, today, everybody wants to go along, get along. You know, just uh, everybody, just as long as you're kind of getting along with everybody, everything's all right. And yeah, I can put Jesus Christ over here in my back pocket somewhere. And as long as I'm in church on Sunday, everything's good uh, because I'm in church. I'm being a good Christian. Uh, he says, don't be conformed to the world. Don't let the world's way of thinking get into your mind so that you're trying to go along with what they say and what they do. He says, Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I've, I've, I've used this example before hundreds of times, but I'll, I, you know, I'll probably, I'll probably continue to use it till I come up with a better one. Uh, but a lot of times when you go out to the car lot, uh, what you want to do is you want to take the car for a test drive, don't you? I mean, you're thinking about getting that new vehicle. You want to go out and take, test drive, go out, give it a spin, mash down on the gas, hit the brakes. Maybe if you, you know, probably me and my wife have talked about, you know, the smarter thing these days, which nobody ever does, uh, including me, uh, the smart thing would be to take it out at night. And test drive it at night so you can see how everything looks on the inside. Is everything easy to look at, function? Uh, but you want to take it out and, you know, stomp down on it one good time. See what kind of get up and go it's got. Mash the brakes. Turn the wheel. Check the, pull the, pull the hood on it. Look at the engine. Check the trunk out. See if there's... And what you're trying to do is prove if that's the kind of car you want. You're... you're Test driving is you're proving it. You're taking it in and see and seeing if it'll do. Here he tells us uh, not to be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Start thinking differently. Start thinking like God's Word thinks. Start thinking like God's teachings have laid out in our lives, how we're supposed to live, what we're supposed to do, and, and so forth. He says, and be ye transformed that ye may prove... What is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? You're not trying to prove it to anybody except yourself. What you're trying to do is take that, take God's word out for a test drive and see if it actually works. Uh, does it actually work in times of sorrow, in times of trouble, in times of trial? To trust God. Lord, I need you. I mean, Lord, I need you in my life today. 
I need you in my life now. <laughs> I need I need your presence. I need the presence of your light. I need the presence of your Holy Spirit. I'm in times of trial. I'm in times of trouble. My thinking is getting to like the world. My thinking is getting like my flesh. Uh, you know, we talk about not being conformed to the to this world, but be you transformed. Don't get conformed to the way your flesh wants to do things either. You know, the flesh likes to do things the way you want to do them. Uh, I want to do this. Uh, you know, I, I've told use this example in, in times past. You know, but some people will, will use the excuse. You know. Well, you know, I come from an angry group of people. You know, my, my, my father was angry. My grandfather was kind of an angry guy, kind of mean-spirited and ugly and so forth. And so that's an excuse, right? I mean, I'm just being like my father. Be ye, don't be ye conformed to the world, but be ye transformed. I mean, if you don't, if you realize somewhere along the way, I've got an anger problem. I've got a mean-spirited problem. I've got a, a problem where I, I, I don't act and do the way I should. Then don't continue to do that and use the excuse, well, that's just the way I am. Grow up and, and start putting God's Word into action in your life and prove, it, prove to yourself and see what the perfect and acceptable will of God is for your life. I mean, that's what, that's what it is for us today. Don't be conformed to this world, but be you transformed. Uh, that, <clears throat> read it right. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Today, we're not going to find like, uh, you know, people sometimes will use that, that perfect, acceptable will of God. I want to know what the will of God for my life is. I just want to know what direction He would have me go. I, if I could just find God's will. You want to find God's will? Pick up God's Word and start reading it. God wants you to be a better mother. He wants you to be a better father. He wants you to be a better worker. He wants you to be a kind, loving, caring person in this old life. And one that doesn't put up with all the mess that's going on and doesn't tolerate that in your life and in your home and in your family. That's God's will for your life. Uh, you say, well, I want to know where God would have me to live. <laughs> well, okay. I don't, I'm not sure you're going to find that one in the scripture, but I can tell you this. Uh, you want some guidelines? Uh, uh, why Is there a church where you're, going, where you're thinking about moving to? Is there a place where you can worship God uh, in spirit and in truth uh, uh, in a way that would be acceptable and approvable unto Him? Is there a place for you to do that? If there's not, you might ought to think about whether or not that's where you need to be living. And, uh, and so forth. So there's a lot of guidelines in God's Word that help us know what is that ex- perfect and acceptable will of God for our life. For I say through the grace given unto me, to every man that's among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. <laughs> amen and amen. <laughs> to me too, right? I mean, to all of us. So, uh, by, by, the, by the grace that's given unto me, to every man that's among you, don't get too inflated in your ego. Don't get to thinking too much of yourself. Uh, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but soberly, but think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. As, as God has dealt to every one of his children a measure of faith, then that faith in, in him and his word should cause us not to get too puffed up, too arrogant, think too highly of ourselves, but to think soberly. Have a clear view of who you are, right? Don't, 
don't have a don't don't uh, go to the book of James, you know, and continually look in that mirror of God's word and get an honest look at who you are and what you are and what you need to be working on, so that God's word can transform who you are. Uh, many many people, I think, down through the ages, you know, you, you know, maybe many of us consider today and say, you know. I'm not, the, I'm not the person I was 20 years ago. I, I'm not the person I was 10 years ago. Maybe some of us 30, 40 years ago. And, you know, and, and why? Uh, you know, you say, well, Brother Charles, to me, you seem the same. Or Sister Loretta, to me, you seem the same. No, experience and faith in God, and I'm not the same person I used to be. And none of us. Should be, you know, well, I'm just like I was 20 years ago. Well, God help you. <laughs> God God help you if you're still just the same person you were 20 years ago or 10 years ago or 5 years ago. We're to be growing in the grace and the knowledge of God. We're to be growing up in Him and so forth. And, and if I'm not more patient today than I was 10 years ago, if I'm not, if my anger is not less than it was 10 years ago, if my, uh, if my uh, uh, style of living is just the same as it was 20 years ago, I need to examine myself and say, am I learning from God's Word what I should be learning? Am I sitting under the sound of the preacher's voice? Am I reading God's Word? And am I still just the same? If I am... I need, to, I need to stop and pause and look and say, is God's Word having the transforming effect on me? Am I transforming my and, and renewing my mind by, by the Word of God? Or am I just conforming to the world and making excuses and saying, well, that's just the way I am? Well, God help you. <laughs> you know, that that's just the way you are because we're not to be the way we would like to be and the way our flesh would tell us to be. We're to be more like Him and in the light of His Word. All right, boy, I've hammered on that, had I? So, uh, for I say through the grace that is given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Why is that important? Because for us to sit around and say, well, I read God's Word, but I'm not sure how it's doing. God's given you a measure of faith to trust in Him, trust His Word, trust the preaching of God's Word and the, and the deliverance of God's Word to you. God's given you the measure of faith to understand that, to grow in it. So don't say, well, I, you know, I struggle with that. Okay, so you struggle with it. Continue working on it. Don't just give up to the struggle. Don't give in to the struggle in this old life. For as we have many members in one body. Y'all thought I was just kidding about the, the church being made an example of a body, didn't you? Uh, so as we have many members in one body and all members have not the same office. For we being many are one body in Christ and every one members one of another. Boy, I'm telling you, you can't get more wrapped up together than that. We're one body in Christ and we're all members one of another. So all of us are together, linked together through Christ Jesus. Uh, uh, that, that is our link. That is our common bond as we come together here. We're all linked together through Him. Having then, uh, we, so we being many are one body in Christ and everyone members one of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that's given to us, whether prophecy... Let us prophesy according to the proportion 
of faith. And I'm going to read through this and then come back. So he says, uh, whether, uh, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Our ministry, let us wait on our ministry. Or he that teacheth on teaching. Or he that exhorteth on exhortation. Or he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness, let love be without dissimulation, abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good, be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love, in honor preferring one another, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing an instant in prayer. Distributing to the necessity of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless them that persecute you. Uh, bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice. Weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. <clears throat> Be not wise in your own conceits. Recompense to no man evil for evil, provide things honest. And so we'll come, we'll come back to all of that. Uh, whatever gifts God has given to us among this con- congregation, he said the gifts are to be used together for the good of the body. Uh, for the prophecy, let us prophesy. Uh, you know, I'd be one of those probably somewhere over the years, uh, you know, you say, well, you know, well, the law and the prophets were until John. Well, okay. Well, Agabus was a prophet. He was after. He was after John. Agabus uh, prophesied in the uh, in the book of Acts. Told the apostle Paul, bound him up with a girt with a girdle, both hand and hand and feet, and bound him there, and said, uh, "This is how Paul is going to go come from Jerusalem or go to go to Jerusalem. Uh, he's going to be bound there. He's going to be tied there." Uh, uh, there were often often others that were mentioned at certain times throughout scriptures. Uh, I will say generally, yes. Uh, the law and the Old Testament prophets were up until the time of John. Uh, and since then, the uh, the kingdom of heaven is preached and every man presseth into it. Uh, but you know, uh, one thing I can say to you here this morning, uh, you know, by the uh, the prophecy of God's word, we still have prophecy here today. Uh, we're still foretelling. Uh, and I think uh, honestly and truthfully so, I think you do too, or we wouldn't any of us be here. Uh, uh, I could prophesy to you and by, by prophesying, Part of that means telling future things. I can prophesy to you here this morning and tell you uh, by the uh, truth of God's Word, by the things that are written in God's Word, Jesus Christ is coming back again. Uh, We're looking for that day. Uh, We're uh, uh, hoping for that day. We're waiting on that day. Uh, And God's Word is 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 a compilation of many writers and many prophets and many apostles uh, all talking about the fact that Jesus came the first time and He died upon the cross. Uh, He shed His blood. He redeemed us from our sins. Uh, He purchased us through His blood. Uh, He came forth from the grave showing He had power over over death, uh, he's seated on the right hand of the throne of God, uh, and uh, and we're looking for the day when he's going to come back in the clouds, uh, uh, bringing all those uh, uh, ones that have died and gone on uh, uh, with him uh, to be regathered together and reunited with the bodies which will be resurrected at that time. I can prophesy that to you this morning and tell you it's true because God's word teaches that. Uh, I could probably prophesy and tell many of you here this morning uh, if we make a, a certain lifestyle choice mistakes, uh, there's going to be there could possibly uh, 
can't say 100%. There's possibly consequences for many of the lifestyles and choices uh, uh, that we make. I can prophesy that to you both by the things of God's Word uh, and by somewhat of medical teaching and so forth of what people know uh, that certain choices can lead to bad mistakes uh, uh, in our lives. Uh, so he tells us here, uh, if, you're a pro- if you have the gift of this, uh, and I think he goes on to give some insight into that. Uh, he says, uh, uh, whether it's uh, having gifts differing, verse 6, according to the grace that's given us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Uh, it seems to indicate to me here a little bit uh, uh, that uh, the, that, uh, the uh, ability and, and uh, gift of this has to be labeled back to the amount of faith that you have in God. Uh, the faith, the, the faith that we have in God and God's teachings. Uh, so he says, uh, uh, if you have the gift of ministry, our ministry, let us wait on our ministry, or he that teacheth on teaching. A lot of times we kind of blow over a lot of the gifts that God has laid out in His Word. I think, uh, but you know, one of the greatest gifts, and I see this among our congregation, is the fact that we have the ability to minister to others. Uh, serve one another, help one another. The gift of ministering is very important, uh, uh, whether we're doing it inside the church, outside the church, ministering to those in our community. Uh, so he says, uh, our ministry, let us wait on our ministry. Let us do that. Or, or he that teacheth uh, on teaching. Uh, uh, all of us should be glad. Uh, uh, in fact, and there's other places in the scripture where it says, we should earnestly desire the best gifts. Uh, there's a reason, you know, if you want to be more of a, maybe I should put this in a little bit of context and think about this. If you think about not being conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, uh, probably, and I'm, I, this, y'all understand this, just generally speaking by the nature of our, our, our flesh, our sinful nature that we have, it doesn't come natural to us to minister to other people. It doesn't, you know, because the chief thing you care about is yourself by the flesh. It's mostly just concerned about yourself. But, you know, the, the Spirit of God will give you a heart and a desire to help others and maybe minister to other people and help other people, their time of need, whatever it might be. And uh, he says, if, if you have the gift of ministry, then be ministering. Be out using it. Uh, uh, that's for the benefit of God's people and God's church together, uh, that we be seen as ministering one to another. Uh, if you have the ability to prophesy, uh, prophecy, then prophesy. Or if on teaching, teach. <coughs> be a teacher. Uh, uh, you say, well, uh, Brother Charles, uh, uh, there are certain gifts over there, and we'll get to that maybe in Ephesians, uh, where the body was given the gifts of apostles and some prophets and some pastors and teachers. Uh, uh, but you know what? Some of you have the ability to teach too. And I'm not necessarily talking about standing up here in the pulpit teaching. There's a lot of ways to teach people life's lessons. A lot of ways to teach people the things of the principles of God's Word. Uh, Mothers can do it maybe better than a lot of other people sometimes by just teaching simple principles of God's Word, training up your children in the way that they should go. Uh, So training up your children, teaching. If if you've got the gift for that, the ability for that, then use it. Don't waste it. Be out there teaching others and helping them. Sometimes you teach a lot of people a lot of good things just by 
walking a good life, living a good life, and setting a good example. You know, the uh, what's the old the old quote? Some guy says, uh, uh, "Let me teach people everywhere I go, and if necessary, let me use words." Uh, you know, uh, you, you teach by what you do. Teach by by your example, not er- everything that you say, uh, but by setting a good example for things. Uh, or he that exhorteth on exhortation. Uh, you know, the word an exhorter is an, an encourager. Some people have the gift for encouraging people. Some people have the gift for discouraging people. Uh, you don't need the gift of discouragement in the church. You need the gift of encouragement or exhortation. Uh, encourage God's little children along the way. Continue to beg them and cry to them and and, uh, and ask them, stay on the right path. Do the right things. Uh, continue to be in church. Listen to the Word of God. Be on your knees praying. Uh, uh, remember to have faith in God. Believe in Him, not what the world has to say. So an encourager is good. Or he that exhorteth on exhortation. Or the he that giveth, <coughs> let him do it with simplicity. Again, giving, I don't think this is necessarily talking about just giving of, a, of monetary type things. Uh, there's a lot of ways to give of yourself, uh, ministering to other people, giving, uh, uh, giving in the community and so forth. So if you've got the gift to give, minister and help with people, do that. Uh, let him that exhorteth uh, uh, on exhortation, or he that giveth on exhortation, uh, or he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. Uh, he that ruleth with diligence. Uh, let him, the, the Bible tells us over the book of Hebrews chapter 13, uh, uh, that we are to, to honor them that have the rule over us, uh, uh, to listen to them, for they watch for our souls. Uh, I know a lot of times that uh, that portion of Scripture is used to talk about those that are in the positions of a pastor teacher, uh, uh, that we're to obey them that have the rule over us. Uh, well, I've heard, y'all have heard me preach this, uh, uh, but maybe many of you, Maybe you haven't heard me preach this, <laughs> you know, in times gone by. Obey them that have the rule over you. Boy, that, that you know, there's a lot of people that according to God's word have the rule over you. Uh, by the authority of God's word, moms and dads have authority over their children. Uh, so children are to obey them that have the rule over them according to God's word. That's mom and dad uh, have the rule over their family. Uh, and yes, uh, uh, the father being the head of the family, uh, children are obeyed, uh, are called upon to obey them that have the rule over you for they watch for your souls. Uh, people have taken that and said, well, that's the, that's the pastor teacher, you know, he's the one watching for our souls. Well, that's true. And, uh, and we should obey them that have the rule over us in that way. But I'm going to tell you, moms and dads have the rule over the household. And we're to obey them. If they're watching, if they're watching truly watching for our souls, we certainly ought to be obeying them. Uh, if, they're not, if they're not watching for our souls, be careful. At least you've got a heavenly father that watches out for your soul and uh, have, the, have the rule over you in that way. But to him that ruleth, do it with diligence. Be glad to be able to... Uh, uh, if we think about this today, if I if I just applied this to household and parents, uh, got some young parents here. Uh, I, I, they would probably back me up with this. Uh, maybe back me up with this. Uh, but you know, being a parent is something you have to do with diligence. And we say, what, what do you mean by diligence, brother Charles? That means you never get to stop. You just have to do it. You have to do it today. You have to do it tomorrow. You have to do it the next day. Uh, Now, you can do it with non-diligence, 
and you'll pay for it. <laughs> uh, because uh, the things you've been trying to teach them to do and train them to do and so forth, you get tired of it and you stop for a day or two. Uh, uh, and the next thing you know, you're reverted back. You have to start all over again, training them down this trail again and teaching them this path. So to him that ruleth, uh, do it with dil- diligence. Uh, to he that showeth mercy, do it with cheerfulness. Boy, is that, I mean, do you see that? Sometimes you can have mercy on somebody and and, uh, and, uh, and maybe uh, uh, my, my version of mercy is time out. <laughs> That's actually mercy, believe it or not. Uh, and do it with cheerfulness. Uh, don't do it with the right, wrong kind of spirit. Uh, when you're having mercy on someone, you're forgiving someone, overlooking someone's problem, do it in the right spirit. Don't do it. Don't do it and then say, well, I was being good to you. Uh, well, yeah, do it cheerfully, do it kindly, do it graciously in the way that you apply it, use your mercy in people's lives. Uh, and let love be without dissimulation. In other words, don't let it be false. <laughs> don't let it be fake. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Boy, I'm telling you, if the body of Christ and all these gifts would work together using Prophecy and mercy and teaching and, uh, 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 and encouragement and, uh, and exhortation and, uh, and all of these things, ministering and teaching and so forth. If we would all work together here, you know, there's one thing about, I, th- I, I think, going looking back at some of my work history and career, maybe some of you have seen this in some places you work. Some of the best people you ever worked for probably recognized what you could do. And just let you do it. <laughs> and they didn't stand right there over you, watching every little step you had to make and giving you, having to tell you everything. They recognized you had a gift to do certain things, and they just let you use your gift. And I'll tell you, churches work like that, can work like that too, believe it or not. Uh, it doesn't have to be me up here telling you or me directing you in everything to do. You've got the gift of giving. You've got the gift of mercy. You've got the gift of ministry. Now, you've got the gift of ruling well in your home. I, I shouldn't have to be here saying, now be sure and rule well again. God's given you the gift, use it. God's given you the gift of ministry, minister. Uh, God's given you the gift of mercy, be merciful, uh, and so forth. So don't be slothful, he goes on. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love and honor preferring one another. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit. Now this is getting more into the what I would call, because we're getting kind of beyond the body example a little bit. It's getting into the how-to example of what the body does. Uh, And we'll study some of that more as we go on in this. Because I think God's vision for the church is, yeah, uh, we want to know that we're to be a building. We need to know that we're a body, that every part's working, every part's laboring together, doing its its part, making the body strong. Uh, Also... uh, you know, if we think about this, and I'll give a, I'll give a, I'll give a real body example here before we turn over to the Ephesians later in the fourth chapter of the book of Ephesians. Uh, but you think, think about this. You know, the gift of speech is a wonderful thing. I mean, imagine all the things we teach our family and our children, and uh, uh, all the things that we're able to do because God's given us the gift of speech. Uh, but you know, you can use speech the wrong way. So most of the gifts that we have, you know, if, we're the, if we go back and look at the examples that we're talking about here in Corinthians, you know, ministering can be done wrong. Uh, teaching can be done wrong. 
uh, encouragement can be dis- discouragement instead of in- you can all of these gifts can be misused as well as used correctly, and so that's the reason we need to learn how to use them properly in the household of God. Let's turn to the fourth chapter of the book of Ephesians. <clears throat> Again, examples given here about the body and how the church is being a body. Uh, and we think about that as the body works together. You know, there's parts of our body uh, that we never see. Yeah, the, you get down, I, boy, some of you teachers here would have to, and uh, medical folks would probably really eat me up if even trying to talk about this. But anyway, you, you get some of the, uh, the cellular level parts of your body. Uh, you know, a lot of times, how many of y'all are thinking today, you know... I've got to take care of the potassium in my in my in my blood system, boy. If I don't t- if I don't take care of the potassium, I'm going to be in bad shape. You know what? If you generally eat right and take care of yourself, all things are working right. The potassium and sodium in your blood in your body will work out just about right. Everything just kind of seems to work together, right? You don't sit around and thinking about I got to keep my potassium and my sodium and all this stuff balanced out, and I need to do this and this and this. You don't think about that. Very very rarely is that something that goes across your mind. But you know what? Let it get out of whack. Let some part of your body start shutting down. Let your body temperature drop down to 86 degrees uh, uh, because you're laying in the floor for 24 hours and not moving uh, uh, and so forth and you're passed out. And I'll tell you, parts of your body will begin to shut down uh, and all all types of systems in there will get out of balance, out of kilter, and things will start shutting down inside your in your body. Things that you normally don't even think about that are there keeping you going every day. Well, <clears throat> you and I are probably not sitting here thinking that this morning about uh, about the Holy Spirit being inside your life as a born again child of God, but He's there. We need to be we need to be more mindful of that as we go through. Anyway, fourth chapter of the book of Ephesians. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. Now, again, the Ephesian letter is written to to a group of people that he's having that the Apostle Paul is reminding them uh, that ye ye they talk about Gentiles now. He says, "Ye who were one time not a people are now a people in in Christ. We've been made one body together." Uh, and he says, "I therefore, as the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you or beg you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering." Forbearing one another in love. So now he's telling us how to do it. Uh, uh, I want to call you, he says, as prisoners, Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of your vocation wherewith you're called. Uh, some of you have some natural vocations. Uh, Brother, Brother Ronald started out years ago as, a, as an equipment operator. I mean, man, he could do, he could probably, and I guess still today, you can probably get on just about anything uh, from a from a bob from a bobcat to a bulldozer and get a hold of it and make it work and make it run. I'm telling you, that's that's a that's a gift that God. You know, you know, everybody can't do that. Uh, you say, well. Uh, well, some folks have been given have been taken on the vocation of nursing uh, and uh, and nurse practitioning and so forth and research and all these things. God's given you a vocation. God's given you a gift that you're able to do certain things. And then, uh, if we look at that, that's a natural standpoint. But from a spiritual standpoint, brother, T- brother Todd has the gift of being big. 
and he's used that gift uh, uh, probably somewhere along the way uh, 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 to uh, help him control people in certain situations, uh, uh, the strength God's given him along the way uh, uh, to do certain things like that, right? Uh, He tells us, uh, now think spiritually instead of naturally. I'm using natural, natural examples. Now let's think spiritually. I therefore as the prisoner of the Lord, the apostle Paul being his prisoner as an apostle, he says, I beseech you or beg you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. We've been called not to be uh, uh, doctors and nurses and uh, uh, equipment operators and security men and all this kind. We, that's not what God's called us to here in the church. God's called us here here in the church uh, uh, to be ministers, uh, uh, to be pastor teachers, uh, uh, to be uh, ministering saints, to be teachers, to be rulers, uh, uh, to be mercy givers, uh, uh, to be exhorters. Uh, God's called you to this vocation. Now walk worthy of it. Walk like that's what God's called. What's God called you to do? Then do it Uh, and be joyful about doing that Uh, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering Forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. That's a mouthful. He says part of our endeavor, all these different parts working together, all these different members of this body, all this different building that's put together, built upon the foundation of the rock and upon the doctrine of the apostles. He said, let us do this. Let us walk worthy of our vocation and do it with all lowliness. I'd say that's humbleness, lowliness with meekness, with long suffering, uh, giving people lots of room for mistakes. That's long suffering, bearing with with them, a long suffering, forbearing one another in love. We're talking about the church here, by the way. We're talking about the church. <clears throat> well, I could say we're talking about our household and our families. <laughs> Do it in all lowliness, all meekness, uh, uh, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. <clears throat> God calls upon His churches. His vision for His church is for us to have a unity of spirit, and for us to have that in the bond and the bond of peace be upon us. So as we work together, as we go through all the experiences of life, uh, training up children, going through death experiences, going through. Uh, trials and troubles of jobs and other things are going on with people in their lives as we do as we do this and we're facing all that and just like we used to tell people at work or try to remind some of our some of our supervisors at work years ago when i was doing some of that kind of stuff you say you know the people that work for us you know when a lot of times i'd hear people say some of the dumbest things but but people would say well, once they come through that gate out there, they're supposed to leave all their problems at home. We're, this is about work. Well, that's dumb because you don't leave all the problems of work. You've got a problem at home with your children, your family, your wife, your, your husband, uh, sickness, illness, whatever it is. It comes through the door with you and it comes into your workplace. And I'm going to tell you, when you have all that going on at home, it comes through the doors of the church and it comes into the church too. It affects us here. 
It affects the body. But the body's supposed to minister to you. The body's supposed to encourage you. The body's supposed to exhort you. Uh, the body is supposed to help you bear up. Uh, uh, when uh, when my finger is hurting and uh, goes through the thing that brother me and brother Adam have been talking about, and it locks up on me, uh, and it pops open, uh, and I scream just about when it pops open. Uh, uh, I'm glad sometimes I've got other fingers that can grab a hold of stuff without all that, or I've got another hand. Why? Because it takes all of it working together takes every part every muscle every part of the body so he says uh, that we're to do all this with lowliness of mind meekness long suffering forbearing one another endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace well I'm telling you that's what the picture of the church is it's a bond of peace. It's a unity of spirit. It's a unity of working together all the different parts of the body. They're uh, endeavoring to keep the unity of spirit in a bond of peace. There is one body. How do I know that? Because he said so. <laughs> there is one body. There is one body and one spirit. Even as you're called in one hope of your calling. What's the hope of your calling? Jesus Christ is the hope of your calling. The resurrection is the hope of your calling. There's one body, one spirit. Even as you're called in one hope of your calling. One Lord. One faith. <clears throat> one baptism. Uh, one God and one and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. You see, even if even if I sit here this morning and say, you know what, uh, do I really understand what it means when it says one faith? Well, there's one belief. I think we all believe that Jesus Christ is Savior, that He's the He's the one that uh, uh, was resurrected, that He's the one that saved us. There's one belief. Huh? Oh, there's one faith that you and I have together in that. Uh, there is one baptism, I believe, huh? and that's the baptism that we experienced when we were in Christ Jesus and we were baptized into His death and we were raised again. Huh? And newness of life. Uh, and you and I experienced that baptism within ourselves when we were baptized uh, in the Spirit of God. Uh, and He raised us again to walk in newness of life. Do you see all the experience we have in common? Do you see how it's all just one? One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one uh, resurrection. Uh, all about Him. Uh, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all. And in you all. Boy, I'm telling you, the more you see about this thing about the church being a body and, it, and, and the body. Yeah, sometimes, you know, you some, some well, you can lose your little toe, you know, and everything will be okay. Yeah, but you may walk with a bad little limp and a bad, you may have a balance problem the rest of your life. Uh, you say, well, you can have the appendix removed and everything still works. Yeah. You can have the appendix removed, but you know what? There's something missing that God put in there that was part of the cleansing, uh, uh, part of your purity and cleansing system. It took out some impurities and so forth. And we may not understand exactly what it does, but God had it there for a reason. And yeah, you can get by with that. You can have six, you can have a foot of your colon removed too, you know, a, a small intent, and you can still live. But you know what? There's something missing. And I'll tell you what, in God's church, you can have some things removed, but there's something missing. And when we're all working together, doing what we should do, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God above all and in you all, the unity, the spirit, and the bond of peace, we're helping each other and we're doing it. Why? Because we, we want to. 
Because God's transformed our thinking. It's not all about me. It's not all about what I want to do. It's all about Him and what He would have me to do and how I can serve the body rather than just serve me. Uh, all of y'all, uh, I mean, each of us has our own experience. Each of us has our own different gift. Uh, me, and, me and Doris were talking some of the last few days, you know, and I, I hearken back. I'll make this quick. Uh, I hearken back to the time when, uh, uh, when uh, I was still laboring before I was ordained into the ministry, you know, and, and uh, talking about people that go through that experience, like Brother Adam has gone through and like Derek has gone through and others have gone through over time. Uh, but I hearken back to the time when I was just, I was just serving here one Sunday night a month. Uh, preaching one Sunday night a month. I was going to James Creek Church in Mississippi. I was rocking along. I was preaching uh, and uh, enjoying doing that. Uh, and then, you know, some of the guys from here at Zion's Rest Church came and says, uh, Brother Charles, we are, we are thinking about calling for your ordination. You know what? The, you know what I thought? I was scared to death. The going and the preaching and the serving people, all that had been just a joy and just glad to do it. As God, if God was blessing me to read and study, and I, that, but now they say ordination. <clears throat> and I'm like, now it's a responsibility. Now it's a recognized responsibility from the Lord. And, and not only that, I know it's going to affect my wife. And I know it's going to affect my children. It's going to affect my family and how I raise them and the way people are going to view them and all of those things. And now suddenly there's a weight on me that hadn't been on there. It was just kind of freewheeling at the time, you know. <clears throat> now it becomes a recognized thing that I have to, I have to bear up and bear up under. Changes your life. Uh, it changes the way you do things. I know Sister Sherry's sitting out there uh, nodding. She knows how it's to be raised up in a pastor's family and, and how that affects the family and the children and all those things that you go through and, and others that are sitting down here. Uh, you know, they understand all that. <clears throat> but what we work to do is to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace minister to one another and do it because God's placed a joy in our life to be able to do it and to help one another. <clears throat> I think if we grow into this and grow into God's vision of who we are and what we're supposed to be and the attitude that we're supposed to do it with, I think our light can shine even better and that we can be a blessing not only to each other but hopefully to those that come among us. Because if we're if we're really being uh, being what we should be, then a visitor comes through the door, and the, probably the visitors almost be scared to death for all of us running back there to say, "Hey, how are you doing? We're so glad to have you here." Uh, you know, and they'd almost be about ready to bolt out the door, like, "What are these people attacking me?" Well, no, they're not attacking me. They just we just want to know. We want to show ourselves friendly. We want to show people are welcome here. Why? Because there's a gospel message here for them. They can benefit their lives Amen. like it's benefited our lives. I mean, today, if I, if I, you know, if we had a little, a little time, you know, and I said, how, how has, the, how has being around the church and how is hearing the gospel message, how is knowing about, how is that, how has that benefited you? What would, it, what would your story be? What would you say? And if it's benefited you, my friends, in your life, and it's been a blessing in your life and given peace in your life, 
when we see a visitor come through the door, what we're thinking about, yeah, we're glad to have a visitor. We hope they're back many, many, many more times and, and, and decide to stay here uh, for a long, long time. But we're hoping that uh, the message of the gospel gives a peace to them, a comfort to them in their time of trouble, a blessing to them in knowing that this world's not their home, having a, a bond and a unity here together where we can minister to each other and help each other. What a benefit that is in our lives. And God designed it that way, that it would be that way, that there would be a unity here for us. That was his vision. And that over time, it would change us into, into a, a, a view and a reflection of his glory. Change from glory to glory. May God bless you uh, as we continue to kind of look at this. We'll start back into Ephesians chapter 4 next week. May God bless you is our prayer.